Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. What do you want to pass on? What was important for you to impart on your children when it comes to sex and love? They have to go to the sites and be like, you know what, this isn't for me. That's the decision that they have to make. I can't stop them from going on the sites. I can't stop them from watching what they're going to watch. Um, but I do hope that we're arming them with the discussions and the critical thinking abilities to be able to make a call of this just isn't for me or it is for me. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it's that serious. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say lovers and friends. Uh, I'm going to hold you down, down to the end. I say. Hi there, lovers and friends. Welcome to the podcast. This is a special week because... I just celebrated my birthday. Yes. Because my family is in town. Woo. Mom. Mom, I'm in town. My mom is in I town. I live here now. Dad are in town. Here. Lauren lives here. <laughs> Lauren's here, which is also special. So these are my guests of honor today. And because, because the kids are on spring break, which I didn't know that when you pay for kids to go to daycare, there's also a spring break and PA days. That and you holidays. still pay for. You still pay for. I would say PA stands for pay anyway. And... <laughs> So that like means that. that we needed to find an easier lift so that I can put out a great episode. But that, yeah, you, is that, did I, did I have to say that? <laughs> Here's my lazy podcast. Yes. <laughs> my <family>. Translation. <laughs> so welcome to a very special, easygoing edition of Lovers and Friends, where we're going to be talking about sex, love, and relationships together. Okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> So ladies, the topic is, what do you want to pass on? What was important for you to impart on your children when it comes to sex and love? And mom, I'll start with you in terms of what lessons you thought your mom imparted on you. For, for better or for worse, what did she teach you about how to go about having a sex life and a love life? You know, it's really hard because my mom was one of those people that you just couldn't talk to her about sex at all at all. Like there were things like I would ask about, um, you know, a topic in relation to sex. I, I'll give you an example. So I came home from school, it was grade eight. And one of the doctors that she works with actually, cause she was an obstetric nurse. And so she, he came to our school in grade eight and he talked to us about sex education. And so I came home that day and I was like, you know, I'm, you know, Dr. Hirsch came to our school today and he talked to us about it. And so he you know, he was explaining to us about a man and a woman and then they get together and then they have sex and, you know, and then the, the penis gets erect and all this stuff. And I was just like sort of trying to draw on all of the stuff that he had taught us. And my mom was like, is that, is that, is that what you want to do? You want to have sex? Is that what you want to do? Is that why you want to talk about it? Listen, you know, that's nothing for you to be talking about right now. This is, why don't you learn your schoolwork? Why don't you get better at your math? You know, those are, why don't you concentrate. And so that conversation just got shut down. And so basically, I feel like I carried that into having you two. I feel like that was sort of like, I was maybe slightly better than my mother, but only just slightly. I'm curious, though, moms, what, what do you feel like your mom modeled for you? I don't know. That's, that, that, I have to say, is a really tough one because my mom, like I said, she, she could add, the only thing that she could model was clinical. Well, I don't mean to necessarily even model in terms of what education she provided. What did you learn from observing her? What were you like, oh, here's the values that I picked up from my mom? That it was not, like they showed no affection in front of each other. Like I never saw them being affectionate in, towards each other. So I kind of got the impression that they just didn't have a relationship. So do you feel like you had free reign to figure things out by yourself or that that? God, that's so hard because it's, it's, it's so long ago for starters. And it's like, well, where did I learn about sex? It was trial and error. It was, again, um, 
you know, reading dirty books and just giggling most of the time just because, you know, I was never exposed to it. Uh, I, I remember I stole a book once that my mom had and she had it hidden in a closet and I went looking for something, found the book. I opened it up. It said the word fuck. I was like, oh my God, like this is interesting, right? How old were you then? Um, again, 13, 14. You know, I've been so helpful. Whenever I talk to you, I'm always like, because I did those things. I did them and I felt so bad and alone and terrible. It just would have been cool if you were like, oh, same. <laughs> All right. <laughs> when you hear parents talk about that, you know, like a lot of times they say, don't do as I did, right? Because I, I, I did those things, so I know what you're up to. It's naive to think we are... It's naive to think that they're not going to follow along, not because they learned it from you, because you haven't really shared that, but just because that's just curiosity. Yeah. Right? It's just biology. Yeah. What did you want to teach Lauren and I, not just about sex, but just about when you're thinking about this part of our lives? Because you think about what do I want them to do for a living and what kind of people do I want them to be and how do I want them to show up at someone else's houses and manners, like all these other value systems that you want to impart on your kids. When it comes to intimate values, what was important to you? Did you ever think about it that way? I own, I guess I always used to think of it as, you know, um, I understand biologically that you're sort of um, interested in it. And like I said, very curious about sex and that, but I never wanted you to, to sort of give yourself. And I never really wanted you to sort of experiment with multiple, right? So um, sort of like, okay, if it was like this with one, let me see how it is with this one and this one and this one. So I didn't want you to experiment that way. And the other thing too, and I used to say that to you, is that, you know, make sure that there's a foundation for whenever you get to that point in your relationship, when it gets to the sexual, that you actually are friends, that you actually love each other, that you're actually, that there's something more than just sex, right? That there's a little bit more substance to the relationship rather than just sex itself. Hi, Lauren and mom. Welcome to the ad break. Looks the exact same, but the energy is different around here. Can I get a woohoo? Woohoo! Have you ever wanted to smell better naked? All the time. Uh, never thought of it. Lumi was created by an OBGYN who discovered and proved in clinical testing that the vagina is not to blame for day-to-day -day odor below the belt. So she developed Lumi, a uniquely formulated pH balanced deodorant. It is aluminum free. Ooh. Oh, okay. Skin safe. Amazing. Ah. And clinically proven to control odor for up to, get this, 72 hours. Okay, so I'm actually really excited to try Lumen Experience, how versatile it is. It goes for the underarms, the feet, the vulva, and even your belly button. And as somebody who recently had mine pierced, this is very important to me right now. Um, it is free of aluminum, baking soda free, paraben free, plus pH balance, so it's safe to use below the belt. You can choose from a variety of fresh, bright scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, or toasted coconut. Okay, as a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code LOVERS at lumideodorant.com. Now that equates to over 40% off your starter pack, which includes a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like the mini body wash or the deodorant wipes, when you visit lumideodorant.com and use promo code LOVERS. I don't know, do you, no, I ask you guys, do you even remember that? Oh, I, is that what you took from it? No, you know? I, I, I do, everything you're saying sounds on the money. Um, and I, you know, as I've been thinking about this question, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, because I have another parent that I have to really consult with on this. But as you're kind of saying it, the thing that comes up to me is like, it's, it doesn't feel like it's that serious, you know, um, in the sense of, you know, find this person and love them and nurture them and then learn each other. And then you can have sex with them. I think that maybe it just doesn't feel like the age that maybe my kids are growing up in. Um, where there's just a lot of information and it's a lot, it's not, sex doesn't seem as binary as maybe it felt back in the day where you would say to someone like you have sex when you're going to, when you're married or you have sex when you find the one. And now I think that that's becoming, at least for me, the world that I'm looking at it, it just, it feels like it's not that serious, <laughs> you know, be safe, you know, be safe and be educated and you know be emotionally aware but 
I, I'm, I don't think that I would have the conversation with Zara or Cairo to say, you find the one person and then that's who you, that's who you sleep with. That's who you learn. I don't know that I would have that conversation with them. It doesn't feel like I would. I know, I know I, I have a strong sense that for the boy, it'll be like, yes. For the girl, it'll be like, no. But that doesn't mean that his thought patterns aren't continuing to evolve yeah. as the kids get older. Of course. You know, so that's my thought. Yeah, I think that one of the most freeing things for me was when I studied sexology and we had that age by age, what is normal yeah. sexual behavior. And that was freeing because I've been sexual for a very, very long time. We did this podcast, Naked Barbies and Humping Pillows, right? So just talking about that, my awareness of my sexual self was intertwined with just my identity, period. Lil Shannon was like I said, very physical. And yes, by that, I partially mean sexual. But broad of that, I was just a very touchy and affectionate and body positive person. For as long as I can remember, I liked seeing the human body naked. It made me feel comfortable because I understood that this was assurance that people trusted me and felt close to me. And I liked that feeling. I remember seeing my grandma naked, my parents, and even one of my aunts. And not because they were cringy, but because, like I said, I found them comforting. No, I have no recollection of that. I didn't know that maybe she was lurking in the in the doorways or something. And like, like just like getting ready to see you naked or something. I, I had no recollect. I have no recollection of that. And I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying I just don't remember it. It certainly wasn't something that was an obsessive behavior that I had to um, monitor her or sort of like you know, tell her that, um, you know, maybe that's not a good idea. I say that Lil Shambuti was very touchy and affectionate. I mean that physical touch was and continues to be my love language. It felt natural and freeing to show someone or something that I cared for them by using my body. So I did whenever I could. So in a nutshell, Lil Shambuti, Lil Shan Teresa Boudram was a child who knew that the human body was a beautiful, beautiful thing. She knew that touch was integral to intimate relationships and very healing to individuals. She also knew that we are sexual beings and our sexual self is an inherent part of ourself. It doesn't need to be separated. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think that I needed important lessons on understanding other people's boundaries. Shan always wanted to sleep in my bed. And then I came up with a rule. I was like, if you're going to sleep in my bed, you have to wear pants. Also, in addition, understanding age appropriateness as it came with sexual expression. But I also think that it was very beautiful that I had the inclination that sexual expression was a part of my human expression. So that's the version of me that I was. But like I said, from age eight to 18, I became someone very different. And I want to tell you four stories that I think took me off of my path. And I say take me off of my path with a grain of salt because I do believe that that decade of disassociation was also very integral to my career because it allowed me to relate to many people who went through the exact same experience of suppression and of self-suppression. Number two, when I did finally get back into this space and back to re-acknowledging that truth from my childhood, I had so much more fire in me because I felt angry for the years that I'd lost, which I think helped me make up for lost time. So like I said, there's four stories in particular that I want to share today. We're going to call them Pillows, Barbies, Lude, and Sweet Baby Jesus. Lude. So I'm like somewhere between five and seven years old, and I love my sister. I love my family. I love my mom. I love my dad. I love my sister, but I also love to bother my sister who doesn't like to express love through physical affection. Never has, still to this day does not. Like, Or she was just very affectionate. She was very touchy-feely. I was on the other side of the spectrum where I just didn't really like a lot of physical touch, period, from anybody. I'm not that PDA person. Like, physical touch is not high on my priority list. I know it's there for Shan, um, but that would often cause, like, disconnects or fights between her and I growing up because she always wanted more affection from me than I ever 
want or was ever comfortable to give or she wanted to be more open about things than I was ever comfortable being open with. My dad actually does this and still does this to an extent where he um, shows affection through annoying people, through unwanted physical touch that is done in a kind of bullyish prankster way, like a nuggie or a wet willy and, or, you know, hugging you and crushing your bones, like those types of, of acts of affection or physicality. And my dad did that to me when I was a kid. And I think that I also do that to Jared a lot now in my adult years, but specifically towards my sister who didn't want this type of affection and attention. I would do it a lot towards her. Also, mind you, not because I just wanted to bother her, but in general, I love my sister and I love hugging her. And even to this day, I'm the one who initiates them and I enjoy them. But I remember specifically, again, being somewhere from five to seven years old and I was chasing my sister around the house and I was trying to hug her and trying to kiss her on the cheek. And then she was like slamming doors and it was like ramping up. And then I started to do things like blowing her a kiss when I couldn't reach her Um, or I would like, you know, sh- you know, shrug my shoulders at her. I know what I would do. I would lick my lips. <laughs> she would do that creepy thing where she would like lick her lip at me, like her top lip, like her tongue would curve and it would go over the top lip and she would stare me dead in my face. And I would be like, oh. And my sister, rightfully so, you know, told my mom, like she's bothering me and she is doing things that are weird and creepy. And my mom sat me down and was like, you are being lewd. Stop being lewd. Lewd. It's funny, you know, when I heard that word, I had to stop and think, do I use that kind of language? Oh, no. Mom absolutely used the word lewd. I don't wouldn't know the word lewd. I don't know where that would come into my vocabulary. But I remember that that was a name that mom gave it. And I just held on to it. To be lewd is to be crude and offensive in a sexual way. Now I want it to be funny and I want it to be affectionate, but I didn't want to be lewd. I knew that was a bad word and I didn't want to be a bad person. Um, So I was like, I don't like the feeling of being called that. But because my sister, who was very smart, um, realized I didn't like to be called that word, my sister then started calling me lewd a lot. Shannon's being lewd again. And I got really deeply hurt by that. And I slammed myself in my bedroom and I remember grabbing a sticky pad and I wrote on it, the lewd one wants to be left alone. And I put it on my room door. And I vividly remember that because it was the first time that I thought to myself, maybe the way that I want to love pushes the people that I love away from me. That was kind of a point of strife between her and I on just like me wanting to separate and her being like physically wanting to be closer to me. The real moral to the story is, hey, stop being fucking weird. Like there's a balance between being loving um, and just being inappropriate. Also too, boundaries and consents are really important. Pillows, okay. I might actually cut this whole episode now that I'm saying these weird things out loud. They're kind of embarrassing, but here we go. So Jalen was my best friend um, because her mother was our babysitter. And Jalen had a sister who was the exact same age as Lauren. We would go over there and we would be babysat by them, but we just adored their house. We enjoyed the environment that we had over there. And we connected, you know, not just as people who had to hang out because that was what the payment arrangement was, but we enjoyed hanging out. So I remember one time being invited over to their house to sleep over. And of course, you're a kid. I loved sleepovers. And I don't remember what I watched or how this got in my head. But Jalen and I were up, you know, past the point that we were supposed to be. We were put to bed and we were like, fuck no, we're staying up, which every kid is going to sleep over. But here's the thing maybe every kid doesn't do. And again, I was probably in the range of grade ones, so maybe like six to seven years old at this point. And... I said to Jalen, because we both had our pillows and our pillows had faces. They were like back in the day, those pillows that like came with expressions. I want to say that it was a spud, like a potato pillow or something. And I was like, Jalen, like, why don't we, you know, have have some some fun with our pillows? And she was like, okay. And so I was like, kiss your pillow. And so we kissed our pillow. And then I was like, show your pillow your shoulder. And you show your pillow the shoulder. And I was like, hug your pillow really tight. And I can't remember how far this went, but 
I definitely know that it wasn't like, hug your pillow really tight. It was like, hug your pillow really tight. There was a definite sexual connotation. Like we were having these sexual experiences with our pillows. And I thought it was fun. It was a fun game. And that was that. The next day, I remember Jalen at breakfast, you know, saying to her mom, like, yeah, last night we were up super late and then we had the pillows. We were playing with our pillows. And I was like, shut up. Shut up, Jalen. Like I knew that what we did was not something that adults would be happy with. So I remember the feeling of her talking about it innocently and me already knowing that that was not an innocent activity, but I felt like I signaled her and then it worked out fine, but, and I moved on. So I went home thinking that the event was over, but unbeknownst to me, either one, the mom was very smart and picked up on what the daughter was putting down in the conversation or more than likely spoke to her later and said, like, can you tell me more about this pillows incident? So I guess Jalen had gone home and told her mom at some point um, this kind of conversation, this kind of activity that they were doing. And so the mom got really concerned that maybe that they shouldn't be doing that. So she had given me a call and said, I don't like it. I want you to talk to them and tell them that it's inappropriate. And I agreed with her um, because, you know, we've already went through this. But I also had to mention to her that it's also a curiosity stage in their life. So that's where that's, that activity is coming from. But I appreciate what she's saying. But it also made me feel a little uncomfortable because here's a parent sort of calling out my child and sort of saying that she has some kind of, I don't know, like... Uh, and like I said, inappropriate behavior. And where is she getting this from? Which is sort of reflective on us. Like, what kind of activity do we do in the home? And from that point on, I think my parents started to look at me as someone they had to watch out for in this way. Pop it in for the ad break. Pop it in for Whoa. the ad break. When one thinks of Italy... They can't help but think of the fashion. Am I right? Right. Oh, right. The culture. Yes. yes. The food. Yes. Mm. The storied history. Uh-huh. Love it. And of course, the shopping girl. Mm-hmm. Wow. Lauren didn't like that. Much. Okay. <laughs> there is a new Italian lingerie brand who recently partnered up with Jennifer Lopez that is made with gorgeous fabrics, colorful silks, and delicate lace. But the name is a little challenging to say. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. It is called Intimissimi. 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 Not into Mississippi, mom. <laughs> like, why don't you add syllables? Intimissimi. 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 The art of Italian lingerie. Go to intimissimi.com slash JLo. Again, that's intimissimi.com slash JLo. I'm going to show you the bra that I actually got from them. It's very sexy. Does it lift? It lifts. It lifts. And there's a very sexy black robe that I got that goes right underneath the butt. I'm working on my butt this year. I'm going to model it for you guys later on. So look forward to that. Thank you. (laughs) Barbies. I have said this line several times before. um, So let's just dive into it more. When I was around seven years old or so, my Barbies were banned from being naked. Shannon absolutely loved Barbies. Actually, it started even younger than Barbies. It actually started with uh, Little People, Fisher Price, Little People. Fisher Price neighborhood is open for fun. Little people. She used to clutch them and hold them in her hand everywhere she went. And then about four or five, she switched over to Barbies. And she loved playing with Barbies all the time. But she had this obsession with taking the Barbie's clothes off and putting them in bed together. So we have Barbie and we have Ken in bed together. And at some point I said, you can't take the Barbie's clothes off all the time like that. Um, You have to keep the Barbie's clothes on. Now, I was an avid Barbie player. Um, I had a great imagination. My sister had a great imagination. We would create these storylines. Also, it's important to note, which actually when I think about where did I get the pillows thing from before, It could be from this. Growing up, I watched soap operas. I watched all my children. I would be in kindergarten stressed out that I couldn't get home in time because all my children came came on at 1 p.m. I'd be stressed out that I would miss my stories. Lauren, our oldest daughter, she had gone to school. And so she went to school in the afternoon. So it was just myself and Shannon at home. And that was all my children came on at one o'clock. So it's, um, you know, lunchtime making Shannon lunch. I put all my children on. And so, of course, now she's three years old, four years old, and she's gotten into it as well. 
And I guess that's probably where she got all of the ideas of relationships and um, the conversations that they had around relationships, possibly around sex. Back in those days, it wasn't the same kind of conversations that were allowed on TV that they have nowadays. But it doesn't take much to sort of put um, the whole picture together. And I'm sure Shannon at that time was able to put everything together and say, you know what? If they're doing it, then this is what my Barbie should be doing as well. Am I bad? When we went to our grandma's house, it was all my children time even there, too. Like we were all Erica Kane fans, Erica Kane and Jeremy. What were their names again? Adam and Stuart, the twins, Haley, Tad. These were the people. These were the people that we grew up with. So we, as kids who grew up on soap operas, didn't play Barbies like we changed their names or changed their jobs. Like There was a storyline. There was a cohesive storyline. If you were married to somebody, you were married till you were not married. If you worked at the pet store, you worked at the motherfucking pet store. I know that all of our Barbies had all these dramatic storylines and they were like divorcing and and, you know, seeing other people and getting new jobs and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, they had these romantic relationships that sometimes went beyond like, hi, honey, you're home. A lot of the stories naturally led to people's clothes coming off. And so we would have our Barbies in these, you know, storylines and in these activities and then something will be happening. We would call for dinner. And because I thought nothing of it, I would just drop them and then go upstairs. I think it was after the pillows incident that happened that my mom coming in the room and tidying up after us or just seeing what we were doing or just being in the room for some reason and seeing the naked Barbies had a shift in meaning for her. And no longer was it like innocent play or maybe them just in the middle of changing clothes, but she saw it as, you know, us or me acting out lewdly and inappropriately. See, my choice of words actually is vulgar. Like that is my choice of word. That's a vulgar behavior um, or inappropriate behavior. Mom, Shannon's being lewd again. So I remember that my Barbies were in the pool. We had like a, we had a lit, we had a Barbie room. Like we, it was a town, it was a lit town. So one of the Barbies had their own pool. And um, I think she was getting freaky with her partner in the pool area. My mom saw the two Barbies laying on top of each other in the pool. And she pulled me into the room and she said, what were these Barbies doing? And I think I was just like, they're just going for a swim. Why aren't they wearing any clothes? I was like, I mean, I think it was a really hot day. And she said, okay, well, they're swim trunks and they could be wearing swim trunks. And from now on, I don't want to see your Barbies naked. You can change their clothes, but do not play with your dolls while they have no clothes on. And that became a rule in my house. No naked Barbies. I'm actually really surprised mom didn't bring me up in the whole playing with Barbies naked thing because I pretty much know that the person who Shan predominantly played Barbies with was me. And I remember that pool scene just very vividly because I, I just remember as I was like, this feels a little bit more than what I'm good with. I know that when I was uncomfortable in those moments, like of playing Barbies, I don't think that I ever went to my parents to say like, uh, this happened and I don't know how I feel about it. Because again, like my, me and my sister, when we're playing Barbies, we're in a safe space together. And there was a sense of shame around what we were doing, but I didn't understand why. You just kind of had that feeling in the pit of your stomach, like maybe we're not supposed to be doing this. But I don't even think, if I'm being honest, that I even said to Shan in the moment. I don't think I corrected anything. I think it was just this internal thing inside me that I was processing to kind of be like, I don't know how I feel about this, but I never even communicated that to Shan because I think like a few weeks later, that was, or like maybe a couple days later, like that was it for... Barbie fun time. When I played with the Barbies naked and when they were, I didn't necessarily mock, you know, sex because I didn't know what the activities of sex were. I just knew that when people were in an intimate relationship and they trusted each other, they took their clothes off and they experienced pleasure with one another. They experienced an intimate time that included their bodies. And while, you know, a seven-year-old mocking that activity can seem lewd to some people, I think it's actually 
kind of cool to understand the context for appropriate sexual contact, to mock the kinds of conversations that would lead to that contact, to um, play around and figure out like how does a healthy sex life fit into life? Because it is a natural part of life. And like I said, we were mocking life through our Barbie games, everything from getting fired to getting divorced, to arguments, to job and career changes. We were doing all of that. And sex wasn't the focal point, but it was a part of the storyline, just like it is in real life. So if you are going to allow me to play with Barbies and to play in this world and to create this universe, why would we decide that sex is the one thing that good Barbies don't do? All right. So the number of times this year that my family has been sick has been... Tremendous. 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 (laughs) And let's be honest, when you're not feeling your best, finding great care can be exhausting. So with ZocDoc, it doesn't have to be. So it's a free app that makes it easy to find the right doctor. I'm going to say rot. ZocDoc. Rot doctor. The rot doc is ZocDoc. That meets your needs and fits your schedule. On ZocDoc, you'll find quality doctors who focus on you, listen to you, and prioritize your care. So it's like Yelp for doctors. So you look up what you're looking for, like I need a foot doctor, and then it gives you a list. You get to read patient reviews on that doctor. And you can also see which ones are taking um, patients right now, who does virtual visits if you want to, and who's available within 24 hours if you need. So it's a way of simplifying healthcare. Amazing. You like it? I do like it. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. When you're not feeling your best and you're just trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up all your energy. No. Am I right? I, you're absolutely Mom, right. Mom, you're in healthcare. Yes. Say something right now. No, I love virtual. With ZocDoc, millions of people have relied on their app. You can book an appointment with a few taps and start feeling better faster with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash lovers and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find a book or top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. Spelling spell it out. That? Oh, I'm great. <laughs> Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash lovers. Can you guys say ZocDoc.com? ZocDoc.com. Three times fast. ZocDoc.com. 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 Slash lovers. And the last story I want to share is one called Sweet Baby Jesus. So growing up, I went to Catholic schools and the Catholic school that I went to for elementary school was called St. Isaac Jokes. Shout out to anybody who went to St. Isaac Jokes. And what was unique about our school is that we had a church on site. And this wasn't like a small church or chapel that you'd find in a hospital. Like it was a full blown church. Like there was funerals, there was weddings. Like this was a church church. And other schools used to be bused in to go to our church. So there was something cool about that because we were like the superior elementary Catholic school. But I think one of the cons of that is that the people who worked at the church, I don't know what they're called, priests and and clergymen and and church people, um, had a lot of involvement in our school because they were just on site all the time. So as a result, we had this course that's called Family Life, which I don't even know how to put that into other words. Essentially, you learned about the human body, sexuality, I guess. And you learned about family dynamics and you learned a little bit about self-development. So early on, maybe grade one, grade two, we had these family life courses, but we would often have people from the church come in to teach certain parts. And for whatever reason, when we got to the sex section, we had a nun come in and teach us that specific part. And I remember this nun, you know, and we'd never seen her before, but there was no familiarity. So it's already an uncomfortable brand new topic for the class, obviously testing people's maturity levels. And then we have this stranger come in who we all look at as like a super authority figure. And so you don't feel comfortable questioning. You don't feel comfortable being there. You don't feel comfortable, period. And she said, um, I just want everyone to be very clear because there could be rumors about what sex is in the schoolyard. But sex happens when a husband and a wife who love each other very much and God acknowledges and validates this love, go and hug each other very, very tightly for an extended period of time. So obviously everybody had questions after this, but nobody felt comfortable asking them. So they pretty much just left the room and then we were all left to our own devices. And I remember afterwards on recess, people trying to pick this apart and be like, 
what does that mean? Then how do you make babies? So where's the penis involved? Because at this time we knew that we had genitals. We had been flashing each other for goodness sake. So there was all this confusion around what it was, but it really put in place the idea that the school system knew less about sex than the peers did. So from that point going forward, sex education became a joke in our school. It became something that you would almost tune out of because you realize that the real sex had happened when the bell rang and when you were at recess. I did not learn a single useful thing about sex from school. And I'm talking... I mean, let me rephrase because I then went to school to become a sexologist. So obviously that's not true. I mean, from the ages of kindergarten all the way up until high school, there was not one useful bit of information. As a matter of fact, it was quite the opposite. But there was one lesson from Catholic school sex education that I did take heed to and that I did take in. And honestly, I wish with all my wishes that I didn't. And that lesson actually came from my teacher. Furthermore, a teacher that I had a crush on. So someone that I looked up to and that I valued and whose opinion deeply mattered to me. Mr. Aversano, shout out to you. So Mr. Aversano was teaching a family life class about masturbation, um, which they didn't call masturbation. They just called like touching yourself. I can't remember what the wording was, but essentially Mr. Aversano was saying that if you touch yourself, then you are sinning. And people did feel comfortable. So they started to ask questions like, what do you mean? Like, why is it a sin? Why is it a bad thing? You're not interacting with anybody else. And, you know, it's your own body. Like, why is that bad? And I think that in the pressure to explain that concept, because you don't want to just say, because God said so, Mr. Aversano said, well, when you touch yourself and when you touch yourself in a sexual way, You are doing something that God doesn't want. So God won't look at you. So God doesn't see you. And then when you go out there in the world, you won't even know how to look for God anymore because you put yourself in the practice of removing God from your life. So a person who masturbates loses contact with God. Like that was the sum of the dialogue. I do recall, and, and, and I'm saying that because I wouldn't say Mr. Aversano, but I will recall her saying things about sex education. So was she older when she talked about it and how it didn't really explain things and it didn't talk about it, you know, in the way that she really understood. And um, it certainly wasn't something that the kids... It wasn't really answering the kids' questions. I remember fully alive, but I don't recall it being when going through those books, learning a lot about sex. I more so remember, like, I just have vivid memories of seeing a diagram of fallopian tubes. I don't, the first recollection I have of sex education was in the sixth grade where my teacher said, ask anything you want. And a lot of students started asking questions like, what's a 69er? What are blue balls? These are the first times I've ever heard these, uh, these, these terms come up. I remember because I started self-pleasuring pretty young, you know, it definitely in elementary school, that every time that I did it, I was very mindful afterwards that I had to go looking for God afterwards because I had lost sight of him when I did this particular act. And as I got older, I realized like, if there is a God, because I don't necessarily have a specific viewpoint on religion. I have a deep respect for the idea that there is a creator and I have a much deeper respect for the fact that I don't know a damn thing. I don't know a damn thing. So I don't not believe in anything, but I do know that I try to bring the concept of God into sex as an adult. And it's still hard for me to do that But I believe because of all of the things I've talked about in terms of the benefits of orgasm, that the creator wants you to pleasure yourself, wants you to exist in pleasure and wants you to take advantage of the health benefits that come from giving yourself that kind of intensive care and love. Because I do look at masturbation as a form of self-care and self-love. So I try to bring God in. So those are four formative stories that showed me that my sexuality and my desire for intimacy in various forms was an unhealthy part of who I am. And from age eight to 18, I lived in that truth. And every time that I did engage with my sexual self, I felt shame. Every time that I did engage in overt physicality, I felt shame. 
I think there's a fear when it comes to sex ed in general of like, I don't want to be the first one to put the idea in your head. So I don't want to bring something up too soon because then you're like, well, wait a second, what's that? Well, that's the thing. It's like, I'm not like, here's a pack of condoms just in case. Like, I'm not doing that. But I think it's more, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's hard to say when the right time is. Yeah, I think that that's kind of a, I think now that I'm putting this like out there, what I will do is just have the dialogue of like the age by age, what's happening out yeah. there. And just be like, other kids your age might be talking to 50-year-old men yeah. about their sex lives. You don't know that. It's just some random person behind a screen. But you're just looking for anonymous ways to practice and get ideas out of your body that you don't know what to do with and you've, you feel might be good or bad. And so here's some things to watch out for. Here are some conversations to be had. Maybe here's some safe sites. I don't really know. But like creating a framework for them to have the knowledge before they engage I think is helpful. I think is it something you want that you would endorse? Like, is that something that you'd want to steer them away from, though? Is that something that because you'd have to have an opinion? I don't know if you can. I'm not saying that it's going. I'm I'm not saying it's going to change what's happening. Yeah, I'm saying that as the parent, like you're in this situation right now. You brought the conversation up. I would have. I'm assuming that you're bringing up the conversation because you're hoping that this is an in for them to say, actually, yes. I have, or yes, some of my friends have been, so that you can start that dialogue. But in the back of your mind, you're like, I hope not, one. Two, is that um, if you are, well, what am I going to do with that information? I can't, I, and I How guess- How am that, I going to take it I from guess here? that's the thing, is like, there's nothing I can do. I, I don't know of a lot of people, parents who've been successful in, you know- well, I forbid you. And I forbid you, and you're not going to do it. And it's more like, I think my whole thing with my kids is like, trying very hard to raise critical thinkers who you don't do you don't you don't make decisions based on what your parents say and again this is not a conversation just about sex this is a conversation about the careers they want but it's about getting you know helping them get access to information to do things safely um but again it's like that that decision has to come from in from within them so they have to go to the sites and be like, you know what, this isn't for me. That's the decision that they have to make. I can't stop them from going on the sites. I can't stop them from watching what they're going to watch. Um, but I do hope that we're arming them with the discussions and the critical thinking abilities to be able to make a call of, this just isn't for me. Pop it in for the ad break. Yes, yes. ad break. Let's yes. do this. Fourth time's a charm. They've gotten yes. the flow just yes. as what well to close things out. We're closing things out on a really high note because, mom, if this is too far to share, let me know. But congratulations, you started therapy. Are you comfortable sharing that? Yes. Yes. Now I am. <laughs> okay, well, congratulations, you started therapy. What made you decide to make that decision? I started therapy because I started having conversations with myself and I was coming around these same answers all the time, which is you're not getting any further ahead. That was actually perfect. We didn't even rehearse that. Well, I want to tell you about BetterHelp, which you know that I utilized during my second pregnancy. And BetterHelp is exactly that. It's a service for people who have gotten to a place where they know that their potential and their process are not lining up and they want to invite new perspective and clarity into their life. And BetterHelp is done 100% through your phone. So you actually go on your phone right now, download the app, fill out a brief survey. They match you with a therapist. Sometimes within 48 hours, you can start communicating with that therapist who's going to fit your needs. And then after that, you can either text, have phone calls or video chats with your therapist. You can have weekly sessions. And then there's so many group activities you can do. Um, Also, you can do individual activities with therapists. I just found it was very convenient for people who are on the go and need therapy to be accessible because they don't want one more thing they have to work towards. BetterHelp is a great option for you. Can I just add that I actually did reach out to them? Oh, yeah. That makes me really happy. Yes. So get like my mom and discover your potential with betterhelp.com slash lovers. Once again, that's betterhelp.com slash lovers. And you want to make sure to go to that link because that's how you get 10% off your first month of therapy with BetterHelp. All right. Is it okay to have an ideal for your kids when it comes to their intimate lives? I, I think about my ideals for my kids and I genuinely don't it's not my, it's not even, it's not an ideal of mine that my kids get married. It's not an ideal of mine that my kids have kids, right? 
I don't have that ideal for them. Um, I think that when I think about my ideal, my ideal is that they really, I, you know, I want them to, my ideal is that they graduate and travel and explore, you know, try things. I think that that, that is my ideal for them versus I don't necessarily have relationship ideals for them. No, but really? I had that for you guys, but that doesn't mean that you can do all of that prior to. Yeah. Right. Or you can do that during. Well, like if my kids don't get married, I won't say any. I don't think I'd. I don't think I'd say a thing. If they didn't have kids, I don't. You think don't have I'd that be as like, an ideal in your. That's no. a big ideal for me. Yeah, getting married is a huge ideal because marriage has been awesome. So yeah. I'm like, oh man, doing life with somebody when you're on like a mission together that is like really clearly defined and there's expectations and you know you know you can rely on that person is just awesome. I don't know another awesome way to be. So maybe there is an awesome way to be without that. No, I'm not but. saying it's not awesome. I think it is. I, cause I agree with you. It is awesome. It's just a matter for me. Like, and maybe when I put it in an ideal, it's not something that I would press. Like, you know, when are you going to settle down and find somebody? What do you hope your daughters don't learn from you? I don't know whether I think that I feel like you've already learned it but I guess I would pass that on to you is that, you know, be strong and, and be strong and hold, hold steadfast to your true beliefs and feelings and whatever it is that you're thinking. And don't be bullied into saying or doing something that you don't want to, um, just to keep the peace at all times. Um, so be true to yourself. I'll tell you one thing I learned from you in dad in particular, because that's a relationship that was modeled for me growing up that I think has been very influential. And one thing that I've worked very hard not to have because of what I saw, but your guys is mutuality and you're, you're a safe space for each other. And I remember I did a job once and it was a crappy job. I had many crappy jobs in my twenties, but I had a really crappy job and I came home and I had this long day and I was just like feeling very irrit irritated and alone and confused and frustrated at the world. And I popped in the two of you and you were giving each other like mutual massages. You know what I mean? And I'm sure you didn't even have a stressful day. Just like, oh, wow, look at that. Like they have this support system that's there for each other, like a soft place to land. And I always acknowledge that with dad. He got to be a version of himself around you that I never saw he get to be with anybody else. And I'm like, that's just genuinely that. You're a soft place for each other to land. The thing that I did not want that you and dad have is, um, which interestingly, because a lot of people are like, I want a relationship where the passion lasts. And I'm like, I don't want passion. That was, it was too much work. What your guys' maintenance, your maintenance of passion throughout the years, because I'm sure the passion level is not that dissimilar now from what it was when you met. And you guys met and got engaged two weeks later. And I would describe your relationship as pretty similar 40 years later down the line. And so I never aspired to passion. And maybe because of my experience in previous passionate relationships that like really cemented that. But what I have with Jared is like just calm, very peaceful, very predictable, very normative, not high highs and low lows. And I know there's a sacrifice that comes with that, but I was comfortable with that because on the other side, I'm like, that looks like a lot of work. Well, what's something, Lauren, that you don't want your kids to learn or that you would want your kid, something that you went through that you'd want your kids not to go through after you experienced it? I don't, don't feel like, I know that I've made some bad choices, but they aren't necessarily choices that I would be like, never go down this path. It's more like, hey, you're going to make some bad choices. <laughs> um, I, I hope that you have enough knowledge. And maybe that's the thing. It's like, I've been prudish for so long because, you know, even you, your sexuality was an early onset. Mine was late. Mm -hmm. Mine was very, very late. So because of that, I felt like I missed the learning phase. <laughs> you know, where I just kind of went into exploration because I felt like at that point I'd missed the, like everyone else knew. I was the only one who didn't know anything. I was the only one who, like I was counseling eighth graders and they were like, what does it mean? Like when a guy fingers you in the bathroom and I was like, I don't even know what fingering is. Like I felt so late to the party. Um, so maybe that's something that I would want them to, just because it's not there for you, doesn't mean you shouldn't be aware. Doesn't mean you shouldn't be aware. 
you know? What about you, Sham? What's something that you wouldn't want to pass on to your kids? I think the number one lesson is in most heteronormative, if my kids end up being heterosexual, in that culture, especially because I have girls, um, that everything is a yes until you say no. And that's the culture. So in kink culture or in LGBTQ, a lot of times it's everything is a no until I get a yes. So consent is really built into it. But unfortunately in this culture, everything is a yes until you get a no. And it's very awkward to say no. So setting boundaries up front clearly was something I didn't start doing until my 30s. And that made the world of difference because otherwise the whole entire dating experiment was this uncomfortable power dynamic where someone was trying to see how far they could get with me until I was brave enough to be like, okay, enough. And so that just never felt good. And then oftentimes they'd win the battle because saying enough or saying no just felt too weird. So I would tell them that of like, just get really good and brazen about expectation management. And some people are going to be turned off by that. Like I would literally go into dates being like, here's what we're not going to do sexually. Here's this is not going to go. And if that's what your interest area is, save yourself the gas money. And that felt cringy, but it allowed for me to relax so much more in this scenario. I'm just, that's something that I think a lesson that I'm like, yeah, I let a lot of people get away with pushing me because they knew it'd be awkward for me to dig my heels in. And I wish I wasn't like that. And I, uh, it took me a long time to figure that piece out. I think too, I confused confidence with competence a lot. So if somebody was really confident and like, you know, seemed very strong, even if they underneath it all were very weak, low foundation, low vibration, low valued people, I would get so swept up in like the show that they were putting on. Mm -hmm. So I like naively hope I can save my kids from those experiences because there were a lot of lessons like to the point Lauren's making. There was a lot of things that I learned that I'm like, did I have to go through that to learn that or could I have read that somewhere? Lovers and friends, friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend, I said, lovers and friends, uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I said.